This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. What's the focus on BFM 89.9, The Business Station? 9.36 a.m. You are listening to The Morning Run. I'm Shazana Mokhtar with Wang Xiaoning and Mark Tan. This is WTF or What's the Focus? Our Friday show where we round up the top stories that, uh, have, that we've discussed this week as well as other news tidbits that you may have missed. Let's jump right into the thick of things. Why don't we? I think the first story that's in our focus is actually what's going on with U.S. presidential elections. And I think a long-awaited candidate has finally made their campaign official this week. It was probably one of the worst kept secrets when Governor Ron DeSantis released his video prior to appearing on a Twitter feed to announce his candidacy. Now, this feed was marred by glitches for the first 25 minutes where people couldn't log in, right? So, you know, DeSantis is this, the great American comeback. So this was his first little comeback when Twitter had to set up a second Twitter chat room for the event to happen. Now, based on what we know, about 600,000 people managed to get online to listen to his opening uh, speech to announce his presidency. You know, what has happened as a result of this, right, is all the other media outlets have, of course, have had a field day in coming up with their names yes. for it, right? <laughs> so it's like uh, Daily Mail call it the disaster Fox, disaster. Yeah, disaster. Uh, Fox News, of course, they just called it a disaster. Uh, Breitbart News called it a debacle. Um, but the point is, later on, uh, Mr. DeSantis did appear on a more traditional media outlet to formally say that he's going to run for presidential uh, for the presidency in uh, Fox News, which of course is, uh, I would say, the, the TV channel for Republicans. So, I mean, there are a lot of threads that come out of this, I think, election uh, campaign announcement, right? So there's the question of how will this reflect on Twitter as a platform, as a political platform moving forward? You know, are we going to see more politicians use Twitter for these types of announcement events? It didn't really go well with uh, Ron DeSantis uh, this week, uh, but uh, will Twitter be able to improve that moving forward? Um, Are we going to see more Democrats come onto the platform or will Democrats abandon Twitter mm. because it seems to be turning more right wing. And then, of course, there's the whole discussion of whether Ron DeSantis actually stands a chance against uh, former President Donald Trump, given that uh, he announced his uh, candidacy pretty late. I think Trump has had a head start of about six to nine months ahead of him. Uh, whether Ron DeSantis can actually make up that ground and, and get more supporters behind him. So his party has says yes. I mean, they say that after the election announcement, they managed to raise about some eight million US dollars in in just the first 24 hours. So they say that's a pretty uh, resounding signal that there are supporters behind him. But I think the race to 2024 is long and anything can happen between now and then. But for me, is the focus really Ron DeSantis or Twitter slash Elon Musk? What is he up to, right? So I had seen headlines of people uh, thinking, oh, is Elon Musk going to be Ron DeSantis's running mate? Is he <laughs> running for vice president when they saw headlines that he was actually going to be part of the election announcement? Shaz, that's not imp- impossible in America, right? Who would ever think that the, the man who was on The Apprentice would actually one day be in the White House? You know? The Simpsons predicted it. <clears throat> did so they? The Simpsons predicted it. They oh actually had a goodness. show so did on it. it. Did the, has the Simpsons done anything on Elon Musk? Have they predicted anything? Uh, and the other thing that really bugs me, and this is me, okay, because 
Elon Musk, you launched spaceships into the sky, right? I mean, SpaceX is his company. Orbit, I think the spaceship went up for 30 seconds and then just kind of, uh, you know, exploded. One spaceship. Okay, He's one had other spaceships. successful launches, but the latest one, yes. yes. And of course, you are the boss of Tesla. Everyone looks at it as the leading electric vehicle in the world, latest battery technology, blah, 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 blah. But your Twitter can't handle 500,000 people logging in. I Didn't mean, you expect that? Didn't you want that? It's kind of a vindication of, of uh, for those who maybe lost their jobs after he took over Twitter, right? Don't forget that he did let go a huge swath of his um, workforce. Many of them engineers, the people who are actually you know, in charge of, I guess, keeping the Twitter infrastructure up mm. and running. Was this because there were less people looking at it? I don't know. And also I'm reading this rather interesting article. It's an op-ed piece um, in The Guardian by Robert Wright about why Musk, uh, Elon Musk has decided to allow allow Ron DeSantis to actually announce his presidential bid on Twitter. It's actually sending a message to Trump that, hey, I support the Republicans, but I will choose who I want and I can't be pushed into any corner. Mm, this is sort of like interpreting what's happening at the elite level of politics and yes. what the different political signals are going it's, about on. It's a Netflix series. It's a Netflix <laughs> series in the making. I'm pretty sure there will be that documentary once the 2024 presidential elections are done and dusted. But as I said, still a very long way to go. There could still be more Republican candidates throwing their hats in the ring. I think Mike Pence is rumored to be one of them. So will he be announcing his presidential bid? I'd be curious to see whether that happens or not. Yeah, There'll be lots of fireworks if you get Mike Pence, you know, DeSantis and Donald Trump all in the same room because they were all, you know, friends at one point in a time and now they're running competitors. Yeah, well, as we know in politics, BFF today, enemy tomorrow. Let's turn our attentions down south, shall we? Because there is a, a I don't I don't know if it's a scandal, but it's definitely a controversy that is uh, gaining public attention there and really gathering a lot of traction and debate on what I guess uh, cabinet ministers are entitled to. Um, so tell us the story. What's actually going on there? So there's two state-owned colonial bungalows. You know the ones with the black and white ones with those attached roofs. Well. Gorgeous, by the gorgeous, way. Gorgeous, big land. I mean, you know, in Malaysia, we have lots of them. So there are two ministers, K. Shanmugam and Vivian Balakrishnan, that have rented two vacant bungalows in a very high-end area, a good-class bungalow area along Holland Road and Dempsey. And the opposition party has raised questions about how these two ministers bidded for the bungalows and how much rental they are paying. So as a response to that, Prime Minister Lee Sen Loong uh, has said that there will be an independent review headed by a senior minister. Uh, so they're checking on themselves. Okay, never mind. Uh, they will be carried out to look into the rental transactions of these two bungalows rented by these two ministers. The findings will be made public in time for the next parliamentary sitting in July. Meanwhile, one of the ministers uh, made a brief comment to reporters because there were a lot of allegations that, you know, he had um, clear, cut trees on his property illegally and that the government had actually paid work uh, done on a porch and basically he said, you know, there's, you know, the accusations of um, conflict of interest. But the senior minister basically said uh, he's not going to comment till the review is done. But from a personal perspective, the allegations are outrageous. Well, supposedly, the bungalows have been vacant for a few years. So it does make sense, you know, if a bungalow has been vacant, it's not been upkept properly, you know, grass has grown too long, tree branches are too big. So certain maintenance will need to take place before you can move in. 
I guess, but I suppose the question is whether they were actually paying less than fair market mm. value. How much were they renting this for? And I think the um, SLA, the Singapore Land Authority, is actually under the purview of one of these ministers. Hence, people are asking, uh, that doesn't look quite right, does yes. it, in terms of what actually is going on? So there are a lot of questions. All these, um, I, I guess, uh, allegations came up from a series of articles that uh, the Opposition Reform Party Chief Kenneth Jayaratnam wrote early this month. Um, so it's stemming from those sort of uh, questions that this review is coming up. And also, should you be reviewing your own party members? Should the review be done by an independent body? Because you're asking your own senior minister to go and investigate, right? Uh, but kudos in the sense that the review will be done quickly and it will be revealed. But of course... It- it boils down to who's doing the reviewing. Right. Can you trust the reviewer, essentially? And I think the review also came up um, after there were... Initially, they were just going to refer it to Parliament when Mm. they... when they convened in July, uh, after outcries of that, then they had this review announced. And the interesting fun fact is these bungalows are bigger than the National Museum of Singapore and Raffles Hotel. So we are talking about huge plots of land. I can only like imagine what will be the selling price. <laughs> there we go. Me. Send us your thoughts. It's 9.45 in the morning. We're going to head into some messages, but we'll come back to look at more stories from this week. Stay tuned to BFM 89.9. 9.47 a.m. You're listening to The Morning Run. This is WTF, or What's the Focus, our weekly roundup show of the week's top stories. I'm Shazana Mokhtar with Mark Tan and Wong Xiaoning. So earlier we were talking about issues of conflict of interest and, and just uh, transparency matters related to Singapore. We're turning our attention to what's happening over in Australia because in a way these same issues are also bubbling up in a case related to PWC. So over in Australia, PwC has gotten themselves in hot soup as the Federal Treasury has referred to it the PSC, PwC tax scandal involving former partner Peter Collins to the Australian Federal Police for criminal investigation. Now, earlier Treasury Department Secretary Stephen Kennedy issued a statement alleging Collins, PwC's former head of international tax, improperly using confidential Commonwealth information to gain new clients. So the whole debate is that PwC was engaged to be uh, Australia's tax consultant to stop multinational companies from avoiding taxes. Unfortunately, what this PwC partner then did was to take that information to hand it to his fellow colleagues to then win contracts with those MNCs that they were supposed to tax to begin with. Yeah, I mean... This is like left hand giving to right hand kind of thing, is yeah, it? Like one, I mean, <laughs> You don't really need to think that long and hard, right? To know that there's something wrong with the whole thing. Uh, so much so that the head of PwC uh, in Australia has had to resign. But you know, this, this question about accounting firms, right? And conflict of interest. I, I want to be fair. Every accounting firm, all the big four, have had their fair share of fines globally, locally, even here in Malaysia. Uh, EY over Wirecard, they, you know, they didn't investigate things properly for, what, three years. But definitely there has to be better controls and uh, it's, and it has to be even thicker than what market says Chinese walls, right? In terms of when you're supporting one client and what you tell your other partners and so that you don't you know, unfairly benefit your current clients or even future clients. Because yes, there is tension. It, you know, accounting firms make their money from fee income, uh, advisory work, uh, audit and compliance work. But really, when you're hired by one client, whatever you say with that client should always be confidential. 
Indeed. I think this uh, case is raising the issue uh, of whether uh, governments should continue using private consultants in their policy work, you know. Um, And I think that's something that uh, will, that countries are going to consider moving forward. But we use consultancy in so many fields, right? I mean, even Malaysia, we have done so in the past. And sometimes, yeah, you want to have a different perspective on things. But once you hire someone, uh, whoever that consultant is should abide by, you know... NDAs that you've signed, right? Yeah. But I, I take Shaz's point, you know, why are governments, especially our government and government-linked corporations, so prone to hiring consultants to begin with in the first place? Quickly. Right? No, I mean, the, the old adage of consultants is a consultant will take your watch and tell you the time. Right? I think they do more than that. I'm going to defend your <laughs> consultants, right? Um, because they do bring a, a, a different lens to, the, to a, that issue. Sometimes they also have experience from different jurisdictions that they can use in making that advice. Sometimes it's just like life. You want a third party, right, to tell you what's going on. You can't always have your own people tell you how to run the show. It doesn't really work that way, right? Maybe you'll get to a point where the emperor has no clothes, there's no doubt that consultancies uh, do have the experience and expertise that governments need sometimes, especially for tax matters, uh, I believe. Um, so again, it's not going to be so easy to, I suppose, decouple from them entirely. But I think this will uh, bring up the debate on what kind of guidelines and policies need to be in place. What are those guardrails that uh, can protect the, this better? What I found also very interesting is during the, the investigations, there were 144 pages of internal emails that was presented to the Australian Senate proving that this information was shared between the partners. You know, you would think that you were shared verbally over a cup of coffee, but there were email trails within the entire organisation that proved that this uh, transfer of information took place. Oof. Anyway, you shouldn't even have those conversations, those water cooler talks. Uh, but other local news that's caught my eye is KJ. Um, he says that he will be deciding on Bersatu's offer soon. I was a little bit surprised uh, as in of all parties. Yeah. Uh, did you all expect that? What is the offer? What exactly is Bersatu offering him? Does anybody know? No. Nobody knows. Uh, we don't really n- I think have really a clue. He says he'll, he'll decide. Uh, he, he KJ's words, I, be, I don't believe that it's unfair for me to keep people waiting for too long. So I will make an announcement in due course. But apparently he's going to convey his decision to Bersatu President Tan Sri Muhyiddin Yassin soon. He must be the most courted uh, politician in the market right now because earlier this month in Kloa Sekejap podcast, uh, Ken Ming suggested both Kyrie and Sharon Hamdan could consider the possibility of joining DAP or even possibly PKR. Okay, I stand corrected, Shaz, about your question about what uh, Bersatu is offering them. Apparently, Muhyiddin said that Kyrie will be offered a Bersatu Supreme council post uh-huh. if he decides to join the party. Kyrie has never been on the UMNO Supreme Council before, no. so this would be a immediate promotion up, I suppose, in the political party to be on the Supreme Council of Bersatu. Well, KJ, if you're listening, but you're probably busy hosting another show at the same time. When you decide, maybe you want to, you know, use our platform to make that. <laughs> we can be your Twitter space. Either way. And we promise no, we promise no glitches.
Mm, the indeed. listeners will hear your decision loud and clear. And this goes to any other political announcement, by the way. We are open to any, Everyone. any figure that wishes to make a major political announcement. Uh, do get in touch. In any case, uh, I think that's something that's going to be that we're going to keep an eye on. And especially with state elections coming up, I think a lot of questions on where KJ is going to go from here. Uh, but I think we have time for maybe just a quick uh, one more quick story before we uh, leave for the weekend. Yeah, so I'm looking at The Economist. You know, I love reading this uh, weekly, uh, they call themselves newspaper, right? Weekly newspaper. Um, They are actually featuring a survey, not necessarily done by them, it's done by the Social Progress Imperative, which is a non-profit organisation which shows how, you know, how citizens are thriving and how well-off is humanity. So it's not just based on how rich a country is. There are a few other criterias. Um, basic human needs such as for food and water, the foundations for long-term development, which is education and healthcare, and opportunity, which includes personal rights and freedom. Now, Malaysia, we are ranked 64th globally. We have improved our spot by six places um, this year. My question is, do you feel better, Malaysians? Do you think that this reflects how we feel? Are we better off this year? Questions uh, that we can take with us into the weekend for sure. I'm surprised we went up by six spots because when we said basic human needs, food and water is very important. And, you know, recently we've covered our food security issues, our water shortage problems. I thought we would have dropped a few ranks. Yeah, but maybe we've improved in the opportunity front, which is personal rights and freedoms. All right. Well, on that weighty note, <laughs> that's all we have time for WTF today. Coming up next is the uh, 10 a.m. News Bulletin, and then it's over to Enterprise. We have Bad Religion taking you to the news with 21st Century. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.